Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? So much, David. How are you? Doing pretty well. Um, we are also joined uh, once again this week by uh, Tim Reynolds because we accidentally shut him out last week with our uh, recording snafu. Uh, that's Tim from the Associated Press. How's it going, Tim? Am I really here, though? Am I here? Am I not here? I guess we'll find out. We'll find out when this gets posted if, <laughs> if I was here or not. Uh, uh, we are recording. It is, uh, I, I feel very necessary to put the timestamp on it this week because between James Harden <laughs> stuff and the ongoing uh, COVID issues across the league, uh, a lot could change by the time people are listening to this. It is 2 p.m. on uh, Wednesday. Um, the Heat last night had terrible circumstances set it up, but definitely one of their most fun games of the year uh, with Max Struess and Nick and Gabe Vincent and... Mostly Tyler Hero uh, probably should have beaten the Sixers last night. I actually didn't see what the last two-minute report said, but uh, some sketchy officiating down the stretch uh, ruined what would have been uh, easily the most fun Heat win of the season. Yeah, I mean, as both of you know, Spo lives for those kind kind of games. (laughs) Uh, Just undermanned, you know, big underdogs facing a team that has two all-stars on it even though they were shorthanded too because of COVID, but they still had their two best players. Um, and they were, yeah, like you said, they should have won it. Uh, they were they were in position to win with 40 seconds left and, you know, got into overtime and, and, they, and they just didn't have enough. But they really were in position, you know, up, was it four or five with like 40 seconds left? You know, you win that game. You win that game. Up five, yeah, five, 40 seconds left. You win that game, what, 95% of the time probably, maybe more. So... Yeah, I, I, you know, they were expected to lose, but it was a painful loss because they should have probably won uh, when you consider the situation, you know, they put themselves in late in the game. Yeah, up five with 30, well, Isaiah Joe's three-pointer with 22.7, cut the yeah. lead from five to two. And then Mark Davis happened. Yeah, that was, I mean, not only, Tim, what did you, what was your read on that? I mean, that was... Not only a carry, but I didn't even see the foul, to be honest with there you. Was, I didn't see a foul either. The carry, like, he literally, like, palmed the ball over Gabe Vincent's head. Like, yeah. like uh, who does that? <laughs> I mean, and also, like, even if Mark Davis was, was, was shielded by Kelly, which I guess is possible because it looked to me like Mark Davis was out of position, you know, the referee or the umpire then sees it. If the crew chief doesn't see it, the referee or the umpire does. Like... And this is what I hate the most about the replay rule. Like, teams lose games on bad calls, fine, whatever. They reviewed it to see if it was a foul on Kelly. Well, I guarantee you they saw in that review that Joel Embiid, one, carried the ball, and then two, lost it without Kelly bothering him in any way. So it was two turnovers on one play. And, and then, but, but you can't, you can only review what's called. You can use the review and say, well, we missed that, but, you know, Kelly Olenek's blinker was on, so we'll give him a ticket for unsafe lane change or whatever they called on it. Like, it's just so stupid. It's really stupid, and it costs the Heat a game. And when the Heat lose a seed by one game at the end of the year, I will be team petty, and I will say that Mark Davis cost them a seed. I, I'll, I'll do it, and it'll tick people off, but I'll do it. 
It's like the, that year, I think it was 2016 17, when they went 30 and 11 in the second half and they missed the playoffs by one game. You remember everyone pointed to that Bulls game when yep. when Dwayne faked the foul um, early in the season? It's going to be something like that where we look back and are like, man, that game cost the Heat home court advantage there. Actually, you know, how nice would it be if we get to the end of this season during a pandemic and we're like, can you believe that call in Philly? <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny feeling we might have bigger stuff to deal with. Uh, but. Yeah. We can only we can only hope that Mark Davis is in fact the villain of the season. Yeah, it was a nice it was a nice diversion uh, Tuesday night from uh, the much more real issues plaguing the Heat, uh, which is of course the reason that they only had uh, eight guys available, which is the league minimum this year. Um, a lot of players out because of COVID, um, and, and I don't think we know the full extent of maybe who was test, tested positive at this point, but. Uh, a lot of contact tracing obviously affecting the whole league right now, particularly our, our little uh, – the northeast corridor the Heat has been in on this road trip with uh, the Sixers and the Celtics being two of the teams hit hardest. Um, the Wizards somehow are like the vector of this and yet have not been hit really hard. They've, they've kind of played all these teams also. Um, and now we've got uh, – what was it? The, the Suns game today has been postponed also, so it is, um, it's not just a heat issue, it's not even just a league issue, as I think Eric Spolster is, uh, notes pretty regu- regularly, it's a, a national issue, um, but it is uh, affecting the NBA as hard as, as any uh, sports league right now. It, it feels a lot like the beginning of the MLB season when it kind of felt like they were moving toward some sort of shutdown. Um, I think a lot of people are feeling the same way about the NBA right now. We'll obviously see if anything happens, but um, right now, at least from a Heat standpoint, it's it's crushing them. Yeah, it's, you know, I know the NBA expected this to some extent, um, but seven postponed games and, what three week first three weeks of the season probably didn't expect six and uh, four days six yeah. and six exactly there was one in the first couple weeks and then now six and since Sunday um, yeah I mean that's that is not a good trend obviously and you know every day you were seeing a new team that's kind of on the list of, of teams being affected by this and having games postponed today it's Phoenix like you mentioned um, it, it's look it's 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 unlike the NFL where you play one game a week and it's easy to, you know, easier to make up games. It's not like baseball where you're playing the same team for three days. You can play a double header to make up games. Like this is tough. I you know the, the NBA is going to have a lot of games to make up. I know they haven't released the second half of the schedule um, to build, you know, to have that built in flexibility to, to reschedule these postponed games. Um, but um, you know, it's a, it's a unique, look, the Heat, the Heat were playing a, a th- in three different cities, four games in three different cities. Um, it's just it's just a lot. Um, the schedule moves fast in the NBA, um, and you know I don't I know that the NBA tightened protocols, but you're seeing. I, I thought George Hill's comments were pretty interesting um, last night, where he kind of questioned, you know, if we need to be sheltering in place at home during the season, maybe we shouldn't be, maybe we shouldn't be playing games. Um, and, and you know I, I think and Fred Van Fleet uh, made a comment today saying it feels like they're just trying to what was it plug holes in a sinking ship. Um, you know, I, you know. I think the hope is things will get better, but right now, um, it just it seems like every day it's getting a little a little worse around the league. I do think things will get better. 
I don't know if George Hill's comments were so much interesting. They were interesting, but I wonder if they were more irresponsible than interesting. And again, remember George Hill, to his credit, he was one of the guys in the bubble who led the Bucks walking out of that playoff game against the Magic. And, you know, that decision led to a lot of good, really. I mean, you know, another coalition was formed, an additional commitment was made. I think it's, it's going to end up being $300 million, you know, over 10 years to various causes around America by, you know, by the, by NBA teams. So I say good for George Hill for that. Let's not forget that he had also said, I don't know why we came to this damn bubble. I say kind of, mm, okay, it's your take. I understand. But you know, th- this is designed and, and, and it's important to remember that the league didn't slap these rules down yesterday. Like they were bargained with the right. league and the players association. <laughs> Michelle Roberts, the executive director of the Players Association, who is not weak, mind you, not weak. She signed off on all of this. And she was like, it would be irresponsible if we didn't. If there were ways to keep our players safer and we ignored them, it'd be irresponsible. So the union gets it. Um, obviously, not everything has to be unanimous, and it wasn't. And, and there's a few other guys, I'm sure, that are annoyed I just don't know if George Hill got the timing award for what he said last night and how he said it. I I don't know if that was a great idea. Um, I do think it'll get better. And Mark Cuban made a good point yesterday in a radio with a Dallas interview with with the Dallas radio station. I I, I forget the call letters. I would credit them. It's like it was 96.7 something in Dallas. If anybody's listening in Dallas. Um, Got a big audience in Dallas. We have a big, big Dallas click guys. I don't want to just—I don't want to just take it without credit. Yeah, I'm yeah. making an effort to credit them. Um, Good for you, Tim. I try, you know, I try. He. Uh, besides, you're going to re-record this anyway because I get forgotten <laughs> every week. The, we're, just, we're just stealing all your points right now, and then you're going to. I just ramble on. He, he said that. Remember, the second half of the season schedule—it's not out yet. We yeah. all know that. He thinks there's going to be fans in a lot of buildings the second half of the year. The more games you push back to the second half of the season, <laughs> the more opportunities there's going to be for fans, yeah. the more tickets that are going to get sold. In the end, this is going to get turned into some great positive. Look, let's not lose sight of the big picture here, okay? It's been seven games out of what, like 150 so far that have been postponed. That's not ideal, and it's, it's really bad this week because of six in the last four days. The contact tracing is a big thing. It's a huge thing right now. They've really ramped it up. Um you know, the Heat, most of these guys either had COVID already or they're not going to get it. It's unfortunate what's going on with the Heat. It's unfortunate what's going on with the Wizards. It's unfortunate what's going on with the Suns, what the Celtics have gone through. Something to remember, too, and I think a lot of people have caught on to this. The Heat had their contact tracing issues after being in the visiting locker room in Washington. Mm-hmm. Phoenix played in Washington on Monday. Contact tracing issues now it's pretty evident that the space in DC is not adequate because it's setting off every contact tracer that the NBA has. So I think that's a big problem too. And if the heat didn't get, didn't lose eight guys, it wouldn't seem so bad. If the Suns aren't going to lose a bunch of guys, like it sounds like they are, and they're going to lose more games. I think it's going to be more than six and four days. I think it's going to be more toward the end of this week. It's not so much the virus is blowing up. It's the contact tracing in Washington. That's what blew up. And that's what's really added to these problems. Yeah. And I think uh, going back to the parallels to the MLB season, um, 
I remember, you know, the first week of the year there where the Marlins basically had their outbreak, and I think the Cardinals had one not long after. Um, you know, similarly, what the NBA is doing, it prompted them to change their protocols and make it a little bit stricter. Um, basically, you know, the the kind of same, like, shelter-in-place without totally being shelter-in-place stuff was in the MLB. You know, that was basically the MLB's recommendations and requirements, and you know, their season was shorter. They, they basically only played two months. So it, it's a little bit easier to kind of power through that, um, you know, just from like a mental standpoint. But, you know, the NBA, MLB season had flaws, obviously, all the way to the end with uh, the Justin Turner situation. But um, in terms of just getting games played, they did much better, basically, it, after the first month of the season. And... I think, as you're mentioning, Tim, like the NBA is headed towards something similar, I'm sure. And if it gets, well, you know, it's hard to imagine it, it getting much worse without like an outright like delay at this point, just because, you know, well, at one point are, are too many teams um, shorthanded, basically. You know, for the, keep in mind, there was a Board of Governors call yesterday, right? And there was no, no movement toward pausing the season yeah. because – for the majority of NBA teams, this is not an issue right, right now. The it's kind of weird. Of like the Heat have kind of somehow up. wound up like right in the center of this, with as yeah. you mentioned, Philly, Boston, well, Washington and, well, being three of the teams so most affected. We talk about the we talk about the parallels with the Marlins. Where were the Marlins when the outbreak happened? Philly. Philly. Yeah. <laughs> blame Philly for this. Forget Washington. Blame Philly. Guys, dedicated listeners of this program, and and both of you. Uh, who I count as friends of mine, not Anthony so much, but David definitely. You guys, you guys know I'm not the brightest guy. You guys get it. I'm I'm really average on the intellect front. But when you look at the rules yesterday, what did they really take away from players? Everyone jumped on. You can't have people in your hotel rooms now. Ha ha, wink wink. I get it. They took away the restaurants. Yeah. Doesn't it stand to reason then that most of the most of the contact tracing issues? I'm guessing. Just a guess. I'm guessing they came from guys spending time together in restaurants. This isn't coming from on there. You, you can go on the second spectrum data and, and see guys aren't spending 15 minutes near each other on the court. It's not from playing against one another. See, you know, the 15 minute close contact is the CDC standard that the NBA is using. Mm-hmm. You look at that, you look at that advanced data. Nobody's spending any, anywhere near 15 minutes around each other on the court. It's what's happening off the court. And that's why the argument of, you know, we, we make them play these guys, and uh, no, that's not it. It's it's everything else. So when they take away the restaurants yesterday, that screams to me, "Hey guys, restaurants are the big problem." That's what that's what it told me. Yeah, and and to your point, Tim, you know, positive test is never good, obviously, but that's the easy part for the league. When you have a positive test, there's a clear um, system in place of what to do. You know, when that person can return, how to treat them. Um, you know, you send them home, you have them quarantined. The contact tracing is the very nuanced, kind of complicated process. And that's why you're seeing it, you know, for it's, you know, it really was one of the factors that postponed Sunday's Heat Celtics game. I mean, yeah, the Heat would have ended up not having enough guys, but at that point it was because the investigation wasn't over yet. Um, it, it takes, a, it takes some time, right. you know, there's interviews involved. Like Tim said, the second spectrum data, you know, I guess has been found that, you know, guys aren't spending 15 minutes together on a court. Um, during a game, um, but it's off the court. It's you know, like you said, restaurants. Maybe guys eating dinner together without masks on. Um, it's the same like way it spreads in the real world. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, get-togethers. You know, in practice, 
in the meetings, I guess I mean, players are supposed to be wearing masks, right, Tim? So, I mean, in uh, yes. meetings, team meetings, right, and, and film sessions, I, w- I would think. So, um, yeah, it's, it's away from the court where it seems like this is happening. And another question I have for you, Tim, I know you've done, obviously, a lot of reporting on this since this started. Um, my thing, I know why the league started. I know the se- I know why the season started in December. Money plays a big part in that. But if we, I mean, we, I think everybody kind of knew January was going to be a really bad month for this country, and it's been a bad month. Um, and you're seeing it kind of reflected around the league. If we knew this was going to be a bad month, why not start the season on Martin Luther King Day or in February? I, I know they want, you know, they, they want to be done by the Olympics. They want to get back on a normal schedule. But why not make some concessions to maybe push back the start a little bit if you knew that, you know, this was going to be a rough few weeks for the league to kind of get through? Well, first off, because we put the timestamp on the start of of our recording, our our good friend Mark Stein from the New York Times just tweeted out that the Rockets are pursuing a trade package from Philadelphia that would be headlined by Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey. Wow, Tyrese Maxey, superstar, based on me watching him like twice. Good enough, good enough for most, apparently yeah. good enough for the Rockets. Apparently they only watched him twice too, so. Um, and I do wonder if that's why Ben Simmons took two shots in 32 minutes last night <laughs> and the Sixers scored 137 points. I wonder if he had just already knew, like, hey, I'm out of here, I've just checked out, this, this stinks. Um, yeah. That would explain it, wouldn't it? So that makes some sense. Um we started December 22nd because it was a Tuesday and because Tuesday's a national TV day. And then we played the Wednesday, the 23rd, because it was a national TV day. And then we played Christmas because it's Christmas and it's a national TV day. The ratings for the national TV games, the first 18 of them this year, are up 42% over the first 18 games last year. It's not apples to apples because Christmas is part of the first 18 this year as opposed to last season. Uh, we went to a bubble at a amusement park that also is <laughs> a conglomerate that also owns a small network that used to have Dan Levitard in its employee and he has, <laughs> and he has me, uh, in Bristol, Connecticut. I will not say who it is. I'll let people draw their own conclusions. Um, Money makes the world go round. Yeah. And and we, we played December 22nd because that's what national TV said we're going to do. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I, I know I know that's – I'm not – you know, I'm not going to be naive and say that's obviously not a big factor. That's a, that's very important to the sustainability of the league. But I just – again, we, this is not surprising, I guess. I mean, the last few days have been surprising. But we knew – and even, you know, people around the league said it. This, this, the first few months were going to be tough. Um I just wonder, like, if you knew we were going to be tough, then why not try to avoid them? You know, but again, but how do you? How, but how? Yeah. Play if you do, if you play fifty games, you play seventy two games because why? Seventy games gets you the bulk of your TV money. Yeah. That's why you play seventy two. That's why that's the magic number. Why wait? Why not do what they did in ninety nine after the lockout or whatever? Lockouts, right? There was a lockout in ninety nine when they played fifty games. Why did they just do that? Well, fifty isn't seventy. You don't get all your TV money, right? You know, the, you know, the league lost a billion five in revenue last year. The league spent almost another billion, you know, pumping money into teams coffers this year, giving everybody thirty million dollars. Um, that's two point four billion that the league either expected to have or already had that they no longer have. So, at some point, this stuff starts adding up, right? So, you have to you. Ha- 
they want next they wanted to get this season as normal as possible they want to get next season normal they want to start next season in october that means you have to end this year in july mm-hmm. um and also there's that complicated matter of the olympics which i don't think owners care if guys go to the olympics but adam silver does yeah. um and it's a really big deal for international basketball and look i get you know you know, the NBA has a very strong relationship with FIBA. And the NBA, and I applaud them for this, David Stern, God rest his soul, I can't believe it's been a year already, this game is so big internationally, this league is so big internationally because of David Stern's vision. And, and, and a lot of that can go back to the Dream Team in 92. So the Olympics do matter to the NBA. The NBA might not see a dollar from it, but, the, but they do matter. So... All those factors, when you add them all up, yeah, it made sense to wait. But how? I mean, at, at, uh, th- there was going to be a whole lot of, you know, hold your nose and just sign it. There was going to be a lot of that going on this year. And where the NBA had to hold its nose was saying, yeah, we're going to start two months after everybody left the bubble. Or two months after the last two teams left the bubble. Last and, couple, th- And that's why we're here. The last couple of things I wonder here before we probably should talk about this James Harden uh, developing story uh, as it is developing, I guess. Um, is, is, he, is he coming to the heat? It doesn't seem as though he's coming to the heat. Um, the, the couple of things I wonder is sort of going along with what Anthony uh, just mentioned about um, should do they have regrets about starting early? I wonder if there would have been some way to bubble the first month of the season, basically. I know no one wanted to go back to a bubble, but if you put a really rigid time, like basically like the NBA restart from Disney World, basically, and branded it in some way, almost like what the MLS did with their tournament, um, I wonder if that could have worked. And the other thing is, it seems really obvious they needed to expand the player pool in some capacity. It seemed obvious from the beginning. I think we even talked about it, like when the NBA was first kind of putting together its uh, plans about what the season was going to look like. Seventeen guys is just in the NBA. It was obvious, like seventeen guys is not going to be enough because all it takes is one guy getting it, um, which I think is the case for quite a few of these teams. And the contact tracing sets it off where ten guys are out, and then you're under the eight player minimum. The, I don't know, Tim. We talked about this actually in real life a little bit the other day when we were at the national championship game about the, the logistical hiccups with having like a second site like they did for MLB. But it seems like they needed to have some way to just give teams a little bit more flexibility where if you lost 10 guys for, for two days or three days or whatever contact tracing requires, you could have had guys to plug in and, you know, you know, the, the NFL got through its season. It was ugly sometimes. The Broncos had to play without a quarterback. But, like, they they got through it because they there was no mercy about um, teams being shorthanded. If you were shorthanded, you know, you're going to make sure you have those numbers. I don't care who's missing. We're, we're going to make it happen. And, you know, that's clearly the way to actually, like, get games in is, is to have um, the, the roster flexibility that the NBA – um, just you know, compared to a normal season, it's it's not very much different than um, a typical year, and it seemed obvious seems obvious in retrospect that they needed to do something differently. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess the only the thing they could have done is let them carry nineteen twenty players 
um, they kind of have to be with the team, right? Because if not, they have to quarantine. Right. That was a um, one yeah. of the logistical hiccups, is I guess. Right. And, and you know, I think one of the arguments against that was more more players, more guys who can get the virus, more guys who could spread it, more guys you have to worry about, you know, and also more guys have to travel on the trip. So, I mean, there is that. You know, it's only two or three extra guys, but you know, you you add that up throughout the league, that's what you know, sixty extra players maybe or so. Um, so I think that was part of it, but you know, there's, I think there is a point to be made for that. I mean, that would have like, you know, added some insurance roster insurance where, you know, a team's not playing like the heat yesterday with eight guys or, you know, a guy, a team is one, one player short and the game has to be postponed. So, um, that probably would have helped, but look to the NBA is, it's tough. Like there's no handbook to this. And you talk to anybody that's working in the league and they're like, you know, we're, we're obviously trying our best. Like there's no. Even the contact, you see it with the contact tracing, like Tim and I were talking about. Like, it's just, there's no clear-cut answer to any of this. They're, you know, they're trying to kind of find the best solutions to all these different issues, and there's so many different things they have to consider. Um, and, yeah, that's one thing that I think people are brought up, and it's a fair point, but there are risks with that, too, because you're bringing in more, you know, more people in, into the quote-unquote NBA, uh, I guess, not bubble, but... Kind of bubble. <laughs> Amoeba or something. Yeah. I mean, er- everything Anthony said is right. The, the more the more ingredients you add to the soup, the more chance you're going to ruin the soup. I, I guess. I, I don't know. That's about the dumbest analogy I've ever made, I think. <laughs> but, you know, you know, but you know what I mean. It's, right. I, it, it's, it's, it's exhausting now. Um for the people that have to keep track of the testing, for people that have to schedule mm-hmm. the testing, for the people who have to arrange the hotels, for people who have to attend. I don't know if teams are looking for more work. like, And, and, that, and that's what it would have been. I give Philly, I give Philly even more credit than I give the Heat for, I give Philly so much credit for the way they handled Saturday. Their doctors said, we have eight available guys. And once that determination was made, Philly had to play. Philly could have had somebody say, oh, I pulled a calf. I pulled a calf muscle. Something undetectable. You know, something, I have a sore hip. Whatever. Um, they didn't. They didn't tap out of that game. They played. They played knowing they were going to lose. Um, Philly's eight last night against Miami's eight last night. It was often less than high-quality basketball. So many plays. But it was entertaining basketball um, until Mark Davis ruined it for everybody. Mark Davis's fault. You know that. You know that. The title, um, of, this, the title of this episode should be something with Mark Davis. You know, I, I, I have the title of this episode because you know that uh, Funny or Die skit about uh, Saved by the Bell, uh, Zach Morris's trash. Uh, I'm, not, I'm actually not sure I'm familiar with it. I'm pretty familiar oh, with Funny it. or Die catalog, but I'm not a Saved by the Bell guy either, so I probably like, oh, would have skipped see, it. Because you guys are so young. Man. Yeah, I'm too I'm, young. I was a Saved by the Bell guy. I'm a little too young, I think. Funny or Die used to do, they, they've done these amazing like, five or six minute episodes detailing all of the terrible things that Zach Morris would do in an episode. And it was called Zach Morris is Trash. And there was like a nice little catchy theme song with it. Zach Morris is trash. I didn't see that. I didn't see it actually. And, now I know <laughs> and I can't believe I just sang four words on a podcast. But, you know, I like Mark Davis, so I can, I'm not going to say Mark Davis is trash, but it should be the name of the episode. <laughs> it should be the name of the episode. He, he missed a call. Like, I got to stop this. Like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. He, he missed a call. It's not that big a deal. 
But because he is, he is a good guy. I do like Mark Davis. But David, I can you cut I, this up? Or can you cut this up and tweet it out? Yeah, this is this is good promo just, material. Just send this send this to NBA official. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the team. I give team the Heat, the Sixers, all the teams that are going through this. Nobody's tapped out. Like yeah. they've all. I mean, the Heat could have done it last night too. They had the you know, two guys who were probable it. that. I mean, you know, Myers, played. you know, Myers couldn't play. They really did have eight. They said they had nine, but Myers was out. I mean, yeah. it, it's the teams want to try to get through it because there is a competitive fire to and, all of these guys. And it's not just Spo, it's all of them. So well, I, yeah, Spo noted last night, I thought it was a good point that, like, you know, you know, Max Schroes loved, <laughs> loved that opportunity last night. Gabe Vincent, like yeah. people thought I was making fun of him. Gabe Vincent went up 236 spots yeah. on the all-time scoring Gabe list Vincent last is night. good. And yeah, he, by say. the way, by the way, loved that tweet. He found out about it after the game. He loved finding <laughs> that out. And, you know, I mean, it was a bright spot and a loss for yeah. him. I, I, here's the thing, though. If you added guys, like you're adding a bunch of guys, I mean, let's face it, most of the two-way guys in this league now are, well, by definition, they are borderline NBA yeah. players. So now we're going to add more guys who probably don't really belong in the NBA. Like, what's that going to help? They're just bodies. Like, do we want to bet the house on, on you know, Joe Schmo from the Lubbock, you know, alarm clock Raiders or whatever they call these teams in the G League? Like, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know how that would make it any better. So what would make it better is if we figured out a way to get everybody wearing masks and to beat this virus is what would make it better. I think until then, we're always, no matter, no matter the solution, the virus is still going to be a bigger problem than any of the solutions. The, the solution too is that, you know, why, why I'm pretty confident things will get better is, you know, we don't need to get deep into this, but the vaccine, I mean, as more people get vaccinated yeah. around the country, um, you hope the numbers, you know, calm down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty clear every stadium in the country or mo- a lot of them are going to get turned into mass vaccination sites mm-hmm. pretty soon. Yeah. And, so, I mean, I, I think, I think better days are coming and I think Mark Cuban is kind of right. You know, I, I do think that as we get later in the season, vaccinated fans are going to be in buildings. I really loved his idea of even if we can't sell tickets to ticket holders, why don't we just bring in, yeah, Frontline workers, and, 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 and by the way, the tweet, I ran out of characters. I, he did, I, I, if you saw the tweet, I said he mentioned frontline workers and healthcare workers, which he did. He went on later to also include police and fire in that. I just yeah. wanted to make sure that was clear, too. Like he, it, it, it was all in his thinking. Yeah. And I, I really like the idea. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back and wrap up by talking about this James Harden thing. All right, uh, we are back. Um, as Tim mentioned, uh, as we are recording, Mark Stein uh, reports the Rockets are pursuing a trade package from the 76ers that would be headlined by Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey. Um, we also. Not necessarily in that order. We also, during, maybe right before we started recording or, or at the very beginning, uh, word that the Nets are willing to offer literally every pick they're allowed to offer um, to get. James Harden, um, Harden did not practice today in Houston, uh, according to coach Steven Silas. They uh, decided it was in the team's best interest for him uh, not to attend. Um, last night he had a, uh, a weird, the, the thanks at the end of his statement from last night where he was like, I, I don't think it's going to work out, thanks. Um, just great passive aggression from James Harden there. Um, so 
right now it seems like Philly's probably the destination. Um, kind of always made sense in, in just that they are uh, had the most to offer with the Ben Simmons uh, Trump card. Either way, by the time everyone's listening to this, it, it sure sounds like James Harden is going to be in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and and, and not on the, and not on the Miami Heat. And not very very important to say that. Um, it's funny because at the beginning of all this, what it was like eight months ago, but I guess it was like a month and a half ago, or not even. Um, the two teams that were the favorites yep. were Philly and Brooklyn, and here we go. I mean, it's it's coming out of Philly and Brooklyn. So, um, you know, I. I was always of the thought that if Philadelphia offered Ben Simmons, um, along obviously with some picks and maybe another player, um, in this case, I guess it's reported that Maxi's a, a possible yeah. option. And Maxi, I think, has boosted his value in the first yeah. Uh, yeah. month of the season. He's a good player. Yeah. He's a good player. He's a, he's a good player. He's young and he's shown the ability to score, um, um, you know, as a rookie. So, but it, it, if it, if Philly offers Simmons, I don't know how a team could beat that offer. Um, just because, and it makes sense for both sides. I mean, Ben probably wouldn't would kind of benefit from a change of scenery and being, you know, having his quote unquote own team and you know maybe having an offense built around him. John Wall and Ranger. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the match with uh, with Embiid is is the best. You know, I think Harden makes a little bit more sense just because of their game, their offensive games kind of uh, complement each other a little better. Um, so I think the tra- that type of trade makes sense. Now, if Brooklyn's willing to offer Kyrie, I know Kyrie right now is uh, not playing, and you know his availability is always a question. But when he's on the court, he is incredible. So he's another guy. That if, if Brooklyn's willing to offer Kyrie, then I don't know how other teams could could uh, could top that. So I'm not surprised that it's it's Philly or Brooklyn. Something interesting I just realized about this proposed from the great Mark Stein, the mm-hmm. Hall of Famer Mark Stein, I must say, who I went shopping with in Beijing for stuff. So, a good friend. Friend of the program. Ben Simmons checked out of the game last night with 329 remaining in the fourth quarter. Did not return. Tyrese Maxey checked out of last night's game with 32.2 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Did not return. Well, I wonder if something had been communicated. Oh, I take it back. You know what? I'm stupid. You know, you know why they checked out? Well, Simmons both fell down, both, right? Both, both of them followed out. Oh, yeah. Maxi did, too. Yeah. That's my bad. <laughs> we, I, thought we I, can... just, I thought I just, I thought I just you know, cracked the code. You thought no. you cracked the code. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God. I was going to say, I thought yeah. Simmons had fouled out. This is what I get sometimes. We're like, oh, my gosh, what did I just find? Oh, yes. <laughs> You know why? I am trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, we'll, we'll know when this is released. Uh, I would not be surprised if Harden has been traded. Yeah. Um, I, I think but, the story here is he's not, you know, he's coming to the East. He's not yeah. going to the Heat, which is, you know, it, the Heat obviously had, uh, everyone uh, on the Heat beat reported the Heat were out of it. You know, that the Heat could always get back into it, but. The six, the Sixers, as you mentioned, Anthony, the Sixers and Nets made most sense because you mentioned the Sixers component with Ben Simmons. They just always had the best individual player to offer, uh, with all due respect to Tyler Hero and, and Jalen Brown, and the and a Daryl Morey connection too. And the Daryl Morey connection, and then the Nets were just seemingly the most 
desperate to get him because it seems, you know, they have Kevin Durant. You make Kevin Durant happy. Kevin Durant wants James Harden. So they were the one team that was probably willing to, like, do the just give everything they ask for deal. Um, and so those two made sense as the last two in there as a team that basically was willing to give up whatever it took and the team that had the thing that the Rockets probably most wanted. And ultimately, if both teams are offering it, the Rockets or the, the Sixers package is just better than the Nets and better than, have, than what anyone else could I put have, in there. I have cracked the code. Okay. Ben Simmons last night was terrible. Trash. <laughs> Told us this he though. Got out, he got all played by Gabe Vincent last night. Ben, oh, he got dominated by Gabe yeah. Vincent. Yeah. Ben Simmons last night, two field goals. <laughs> Tyrese Maxey last night, eight assists. Both of them last night each made exactly one free throw. Houston's area code. Two eight one. There it is. Boom. Illuminati stuff. Illuminati. <laughs> we here. Oh, Tim. So what does this do? I, I, I have issues. I do. So what what does this do for the East picture? Does whatever whatever team gets James Harden, do you think they're the favorite? No. Uh, it depends. I mean, I, I I think it's Philly and Brooklyn were two of the best teams in the East anyway. I believe. Um, if Houston gets Harden, I guess they're a little better just because you think Harden is Harden has proven to be. Say what you want about him, he's very durable. He doesn't miss games, um, so that you know you have that's an edge over Kyrie, who you never know when he's not going to play. Um, with Philly, I, I, again, I just think the match is better with Embiid. So I think both teams get a little bit better. Um, I don't know if they're the clear-cut favorite because as we've covered many times on this podcast, top of the East is so competitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Milwaukee. Um, you have Boston when they're fully healthy. You have Miami, and you have you know Brooklyn and, and Philly. So I, I just uh, it's so competitive that I, I can't say that they're the clear cut favorite if either of those teams get get Harden. You know who it helps if if Philly or no matter who gets if Philly or Brooklyn gets James Harden. You know who which team wins the most in this league out of that trade? The Los Angeles the Los Angeles Lakers. Why? Because the East playoffs were already going to be bloody. And now yeah. they're going to be bloodier. I mean, seriously, I, I, we've said this before on the show, right? Look at what we presume will be the top six or seven teams in the East when this is all over. Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Brooklyn, Miami. Um, I guess now you have to say Indiana. And I still think Toronto is going to get there. Like, You want to see Toronto as an eight seed? Probably not. No. I think there's going to be, at minimum, seven really good teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, did you mention Indiana? You mentioned Indiana? I yeah, mentioned I Indiana, yeah. Seven, let's assume they all get there. And I still think they have the potential. To, they're either all already really good or they're going to get really good, like Miami and Toronto, who aren't yet. But I do think there's hope, obviously. Three, at least three of those teams are going home in the first round. The East... The East semis and the East finals are going to be, but I don't, I mean, the team that comes out of the Eastern conference is going to look like it just ran a 1200 mile NASCAR race. Like there's going to be dents all over the car. Paint's going to be rubbed off everywhere. Like, and the Lakers 
look like the absolute class out West. Like LeBron's playing like 12 minutes a game, it seems like. And they're just rolling people. Bet- betting on three-point shots during the game. That game was something else. My gosh, was that awesome. Yeah, that's a good. that has to be a good feeling when you can put up a shot and just turn around and say, give me my money to the bench. That was very, uh, very Gilbert Arenas-like. Yes, because LeBron needed – now he has a billion and twenty dollars. Good for you, LeBron. Congratulations. Uh, by that, way, that was Houston. so cool, though. That was so cool. That was cool. And by the way, Houston, you know, as we cover this in real time on the podcast, also requesting Matisse Thibel, according to Chris Haynes uh, from the Sixers. So, yeah, Philly would be getting James Harden if they if they pull this off, but it seems like they're going to have to give up obviously a good amount. So I'd give them gritty. To make to get this deal done, I don't think they have the rights to gritty. The rights to gritty. You got to you got to negotiate with the Flyers about that. Yeah, it's the same. What about Frank? Don't they have a dog named Franklin? Isn't there a dog of some sort? (laughs) I think think a blue dog. Um, Before we wrap up the Harden discussion, um, I think we had all kind of been resigned to the fact that the Heat were not going to get him for a little while. Um, Now that it seems like it's uh, definitely not going to happen. Uh, any any regrets on the Heat part? Do you think? No, I, I just I, I always questioned the fit. I just thought that the Heat would have to change pretty much their entire their, their style of basketball um, if Harden came here. Just because, as we know, the Heat's offense is all about ball movement, you know, off off ball movement, and James Harden is pretty much has been played the opposite of that style for the past I don't know five six years. So. Um, I just thought the fit wasn't great. And, again, you have really one shot at this, adding the next star, or adding the third quote-unquote star to this Heat roster. And um, I just I just wasn't convinced that James was going to be um, the right guy to fit that, uh, fit that role. I mean, I never was on board. I mean, I never thought. My, my understanding of the issue was not even tires were kicked, like singular tire, maybe. Um, I could, I mean, I know it was reported a lot of places, a lot of things. My reporting, which I'm not saying it's always, I mean, look, I'm, the best information I had was that names were never exchanged. Like it didn't even get that far. Mm-hmm. Medicals were not even exchanged. It starts with medicals, pretty much. They didn't even get that far. Like, this thing, I don't know if it got, it definitely didn't get down the road, and I don't know if it got out of the garage. I don't know why I'm making so many car analogies today, but I just am. It's, I mean, when, when an elite player hits the market, you look, obviously, because stars don't get traded. And I know that people are going to say he's fat right now, and he's 18th in scoring, and he's way off. yeah. He's James Harden. He he's won the last three scoring titles by like a combined fifteen points a game or something crazy like that. Like, you know, he he's going to help Philly or Brooklyn or anyone else, and he would have helped Miami. Yeah. He would have helped Indiana. He would have helped Washington. He would have helped anybody. He would have helped. He would have helped the Mets. Like he'd help anybody. He's James Harden. I, I just I never thought there was no reason to think it was ever that close here. There just there never really was, and it, and it wasn't. It just wasn't that close. Um, 
the Daryl Morey stuff, I think people overlooked it as, well, it's too obvious a parallel. No, it was. It was the parallel that was staring you in the face the whole time. Yeah. And no matter how this goes down in the next few hours, as I expect it to end, you know, it's either going to be because Philly pulled the trigger or Philly didn't. And if Philly doesn't, then he's probably going to Brooklyn. This has always been Daryl Morey's game. This has always been up to Daryl. Because he's the one with the relationship with the player and the relationship with the team. This has always been on him. And ultimately, it's not going to be the Rockets. The Rockets have to sign off on it. I, I, I've said this privately. I've, I think I've said it on here. Maybe not this strongly. This was always been Daryl Morey was going to decide where James Harden went. Well, we can fully what? pivot to Bradley Beal watch then. And already in progress. <laughs> By the way, the I've always here, thought he's a better fit. Do it. He is a, he, I, I think he's probably one of the, yeah, the best fit, probably, out of all the candidates. Um, one, one uh, I guess, implication of, of this, if he get, does get traded to Philadelphia today, is Philly probably will be shorthanded tomorrow against the Heat, True. right? I mean, they won't have Ben Simmons. They won't have maybe Tyrese Maxey. They won't have maybe Thibel. Um Yeah, so uh, that would, I guess, help the Heat for one day at least. So uh, that could be one one uh, implication of, of, of a possible deal with the 76ers for the Heat. All right, uh, we can wrap things up there, I think. Um, thanks, as always, for listening. Tim, uh, thanks for joining us for real this week. Uh, you can follow Tim at by Tim Reynolds. Uh, he has done a good job covering all the uh, COVID issues across the NBA uh, over the last week, and I'm sure there will be more over the next couple of weeks. No, it's over. It's good. We're, we're, we've moved on. I think I'm going to start focusing on spring training plans right now. I, th- I think the, the COVID stuff's played itself out. Wishful thinking. Very, very wishful. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, Anthony, you got anything you're working on? Well, keeping track of um, the Heat's COVID situation, obviously there is some thought that the guys who are out because of contact tracing could possibly come back Saturday against the Pistons in Miami um, if they continue to test um, negative. Um, So we'll see. That'll be something obviously we'll be keeping track of over the next couple of days because there are some pretty important contributors that are out for the heat right now. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson two uh, national championship is wrapped up. So I'll hopefully be uh, around on the heat beat a little bit more uh, as we get into the heart of the season. Uh, thanks again for listening though, everyone. Um, and we will talk to you next week.